So welcome everyone to this live conversation. Um, we want to welcome you, whether it's in the evening, your time, afternoon, or even morning, if you're based in America. We want to especially thank His Holiness Radhanath Swami and Juhi Chawla Ji for gracing us with their presence today. Now, Juhi Chawla doesn't need any introduction, but nevertheless, <laughs> I just want to say a couple of lines just to introduce her today to the world audience. So Juhi's was a household name throughout all of India in the mid 80s up until early 2000s for her phenomenal acting throughout Bollywood. But ever since then, she's played many, many different roles, whether that be an entrepreneur, she's the co-owner of Kolkata Knight Riders cricket team. And what we're especially grateful and honored to have her for today is that she's been able to use her position, her resources to implement change throughout the world. She's been known to um, alleviate poverty throughout India, fight climate change, and so many other philanthropic activities. So we're so grateful to have you with us today. And at the same time, I also want to introduce His Holiness Radhanath Swami, as we have many, many new people on today. So His Holiness Radhanath Swami is known throughout the world as a New York Times bestselling author, a teacher, and philanthropist. He is known for guiding academic institutions, corporations, as well as many influential individuals throughout the world. So um, his work of feeding 300,000 children every single day in Mumbai, founding a UN awarded eco village, as well as founding a hospital has been able to create so much positive change throughout the world. So we're so grateful to the both of you for agreeing to do this conversation and gracing us with your your presence, and we're going to hand it over to Juhi Ji to, to, to host this session today. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Uh, a very big warm welcome to everybody who will be watching us. I am so pleased and so privileged to be given this opportunity to have a conversation with Your Holiness Radhanath Swamiji, whom I've known for a couple of years. And it's always a pleasure to listen to him. Um, Swamiji, I remember the very first time we met was at the launch of your book, The Journey Home. My friend, Dr. Swati Piramal had invited me for the occasion. And it was since then, whenever she has, Whenever she has invited you to her home for talks, she always called me up and said, would you like to come? And in a flash, I was like, I'm going to be there. And really, I don't know. I'm sure you never noticed, but I was always there sitting, eyes, eyes and ears wide open listening to you. Your words have always been so calming, so wonderful. You make us all feel and believe that we want to be part of that beautiful world of kindness, love and compassion. Thank you so much, Swamiji, for giving me this opportunity to have a conversation with you. Thank you, Juhi, for being with us today and allowing me to be with you. And I, I cannot express how inspired and grateful I am to you for, in, for offering all the gifts that God has given you in the form of talent and intelligence and fame and influence. And you're really trying 
with all your heart to to use it as an offering for the for the well-being of of people all over India and the world and and this example is such a, a significant important and crucial offering that the world really needs to see the bhagavad gita tells yad yad acharati stresthas tat tat evetarojana sayat pramanam kurute lokas tadanuvartate that what leaders do through their example is is what the common people will follow and the world is so much blessed to have a leader like you juhui thank you you're very kind sambhi ji but you know what you just said actually i began to feel that recently when i started talking about radiation or about uh, well now we use technology all the time but at least to be aware of what is behind it and plastic pollution and those moments i actually felt that yes maybe i was made a star so that i could talk about this and i felt it from deep within i didn't know where it was coming from but i felt no this is what god made me a star <laughs> these uh, these moments because otherwise you wouldn't know them you wouldn't be able to identify them thank you very much sami ji i'll um uh, take you on to the topic for today was chosen by your people they said it ought to be earn with dignity spend with compassion and i wanted to ask the question arises when you feel there is a need of this kind so what is it where is that vacuum that you feel there is within us that needs to be filled and that is why you chose this as the topic for today things can give some degree of satisfaction to the senses and to the mind but things cannot give satisfaction to the heart it is only to love and to be loved that gives fulfillment to the heart and the seat of real happiness meaning peace is really our hearts and and love is in caring in giving um according to you know all the great scriptures in the world um i'll specifically quote bhagavad gita that real happiness real pleasure is something that must be found within in order to be sustainable because this this body is always changing it's very vulnerable and it's subject through time to old age disease and death it's inevitable and the mind is changing much more rapidly even than the body so how to find sustainable peace and happiness in a world that 
is ever changing and we're always so vulnerable. Um, for that, a journey within is required. And this is the very heart of all spirituality, um, of all religion, of all yoga, is to know oneself, that we are the eternal soul, the atma, the jiva. And the nature of that jiva is that we're part of the supreme soul, or we call Krishna or Rama. There are many names when we're speaking about God or the supreme being. And to feel the love of God and to be an instrument of the love of God is actually who we are. It's our true nature. And in that, there is a peace, a happiness, a love that is not subjected to the changing, unpredictable conditions of this world. And to, to reconnect with that spiritual nature that is our very essence is, is so very important. And to the degree we connect with love, real love, it's expressed through compassion, karuna. And there is actually no greater joy to the heart than living and speaking in a spirit of compassion. It gives us the, the, the greatest meaning, the greatest purpose, and the most satisfying experience of life. Mm. To earn with integrity, to spend with compassion, um, really should be a goal that we're striving for. Then we have a truly fulfilling, enlightened life and we can leave a legacy of compassion to influence our children, our grandchildren, and the society around us to whatever effect we could have. Swamiji, I want to know, this realization somewhat came to me now, recently, past couple of years. Before that, whenever I heard a Swamiji speak of love, I would be like, love my neighbor. I don't even know who's living next door. How do I love them? How do I love, you know, anybody? It's only because of experience of life and then listening. Then it kind of came together and now I know what it is all about. But now I wonder, when is this learning supposed to begin? I'm all, I'm halfway through my life. Does this mean all our children who are, you know, their education is totally different. Our education is very just about information, doing business, making money, competing. When are they going to come to this? How will they understand this when I say to them, you know, be compassionate, be mindful of how you treat your staff, think about them. They don't get it. And now I know I can understand why they don't get it because they're not learning it every day. They're not, they're not being told this when they're little or when they're growing in their place of education. So I'm saying, you know, whereas we totally agree with, with what you say, how do you get 
the youngsters, the youth to understand this early in life so that their life is enriched and they don't have to wait till they reach my age to come anywhere close to it. Thank you. Um, little Prahlad was five years old. He was the son of a king. Yes. And he taught his classmates, who were all four or five years old, Komara acharit pragyo dharman bhagavataniha. That this understanding, this knowledge of who we are, what is our relationship with nature and with all living beings, how we're all interconnected through the grace of the Supreme. Um, this knowledge it needs to be inculcated at the very beginning of life, at the very beginning of education. It, it, it is so important. Education, like money, like fame, like skills, like academic intellect, they're all could have a beneficial or destructive effect on the world and ultimately ourselves, or they either beneficial or destructive according to our values. An example is um, a knife in the hands of a thief will kill somebody to steal for one's selfish purpose. And that same knife in the hands of a surgeon will save someone's life. So is the knife good or bad? It depends on who's holding it. So similarly, education, and education could be greatly valuable, but what makes, what makes it so beneficial to the world is the values, the character of the people who have that education. Even religion itself, the same words of the same scripture, and we see this has happened through all the different religions in the world, the, the same words can be used to incite hate and bigotry and arrogance, or can be explained in such a way to create love and, and kindness and compassion and humility. So education, it's, it's so very important. Um, sometimes it is said that, that moral, ethical, spiritual values, and I'm not talking about sectarian spiritual values, I'm talking about universal principles, that these things are confined to what one should learn at home. But in the educational institutions, we're just teaching the, the various technologies of learning. Um, but actually, a teacher, a, a principal or dean of a, of a college, um, they're leaders. And the example they set 
and the values that are inculcated, the ethics, the principles, um, unless that's part of the education, then we're actually doing harm to the students because they can use the very thing that, that, that they're learning to hurt themselves, to hurt their families, and to hurt the world. So along with the tools, there should be a, 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 a education aspect which teaches people how compassion is actually the culture of greatness, not how much we accumulate, but the quality of our compassion is actually the characteristics of a, of a successful great person. Hmm. I just again say in today's world filled with material material things, there's so much attraction, there's so much distraction. Sorry. There's so much distraction, there's so much attraction that to be able to understand what you're saying when you're growing up and with the kind of education we have in schools, it's, I, I, I don't see it in a lot of schools. Um, well, another, I, thing, I, another, another thing, Juhi, is, you know, in the system that's often in, in India and in the world today, you know, there, there's so much competition that creates depression and inferiority yes. feelings and, you know, suicide among students is a serious problem in the world. Um, because there's such a competitive um, attitude that's, that's promoted um, of your good if you accomplish in this particular way from a quantitative perspective. Yes. Uh, but, you know, not everybody is the same, equipped. It's not just a matter of how hard we try. You know, we all have our own unique and special um, gifts in life. And the greatness of education should really give people encouragement and value that if I'm trying my best, it's not a matter of the, it's not a matter of the quantity of the results that makes me successful. It's the sincerity of our intent. Yes. And the only person they say that you should compete with is yourself. Just if you're better than you were yesterday, then, then you have you are succeeding or you're on your path. You're on the right path. Yeah, we're, we're so much um, conditioned to compare ourselves to others. And the problem with that is if we do better than others, then we feel arrogant and sometimes yes. even condescending. And if we're not as good as others, we can feel very depressed and, 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 and sad. And we, sh we should all recognize and appreciate what each other can do and, and be our best. 
And the competition, mm. the competition should be inspiring us to do better. It should not depress us into um, into a false expectation of what we really can't do. Swamiji, please bless me. We are working on our Gurukul, which has been there for 80 years, and now we are just trying to recharge it. And these are exactly the values that we want to make again. They were there. But somewhere along the way, they slipped away. And you know how education is today, it kind of got commercialized. And now we're trying to bring it back with along with these very values at the center and then the education all around it. So that's, that's, we hope that's, that's, that someday I'm able to invite you to see that. We're working on it and in a, a year or two years maybe we will be on our feet and I think, I hope that I will be, I will invite you to come and see what we have tried to bring back. That's beautiful. Where is the Guru Kula? It is in Porbandar, the oh. birthplace of Mahatma Gandhiji. It's yeah. a beautiful campus of 90 acres. It's for girls, Arya Kanya Gurukul. So it's for girl education and it's been there for 80 years, started by our grandfather. So, um, well, um, one thing I'd like to say is this is such a beautiful window into the possibilities of, of, of how we could shape the world. Your grandfather, through his, his, his concern and care to actually utilize what he had to uplift society, because when we uplift children, we are actually bringing light and prosperity on every level, spiritual, moral, economical, we're to, to the whole future. And because he gave that example, now granddaughter, and you, you may have been distracted for some time, but still that, ex <laughs> that, that example of your grandfather was something that was always very much in your heart and now you you know being such a wonderful person have taken that that inspiration to make it even more than ever before and this is the importance of legacy you know what are we really leaving behind our children if we just leave money and property they'll probably fight over it which is not a happy situation um, or it, it can harm them but if we leave along with whatever else we, we may have, if we leave an example of values, a legacy of, of, of spiritual purpose, compassionate purpose, then we're really giving our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, we're giving the world something very great. And that's truly a successful life, to leave behind an example that brings people closer to God, to nature, and to each other. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's our whole family. The, it's the Metta family. And right now it is our generation which has to work on it. So we are at it. And thank you for your blessings. And we hope to, to succeed.
seed in this. We are trying. We are trying. Even as a country, Juhi, um, India's greatness in the world has always been the sages, the rishis, the yogis, the encyclopedic scriptures, which teach Ayurveda and, and, and so many various types of science in the Sanskrit language, there's mathematics, there's astronomy and astrology, there's agriculture, there's, there's social organization. And there's also, it's all connected with the philosophy of, of living in harmony with our soul and with God. And um, this has always been the greatness of India. And, um, you know, through the most ancient times, people from all over the world have come to India seeking spiritual enrichment. Um, my, my beloved guru, Srila Prabhupada, he left Brindaban in India at the age of 70 and came to the West and when he came back to India, after having so many um, projects and so many followers and so many publication of Vedic literatures, he would tell the common people of India, common people, the leaders of India, that I'm just one person who went with nothing, but I carry this great culture, this great legacy of devotion, of of connection to the soul and God. And, and look what I have done. It's, it's the greatest responsibility, Bharata, Bhumite Koila, for the people of India, along with engineering and science and medicine and business and industry, along with bringing these gifts to the world, the values, the character, the compassion, the wisdom of India should be there. And then the whole world could change in a very, very positive way. Mm. When I was researching about two, two, three years ago, researching when I came to know of plastics and was, uh, you know, looking for videos and documentaries, I came across one where they showed a river and part of the river was dry this was in the present day part of the river is dry the brambled bushes filled with plastic bags stuck there trees on the banks cut so barren land uh, polluted river and there, there was this old gentleman old he must have been in his 90s and he said in hindi i forget his exact words but what he said was that when I was a little boy and we used to go with our friends to, um, to swim in the Jamuna River, our parents used to say to us, have a bath before you go into the river, which meant don't take your dirty feet and your dirtiness into the river. So he said, today, that time we were very poor, but we had so much knowledge. And today there is all the wealth and there is no respect and there is no knowledge. And uh, which brings me to the question, you started Govardhan village, eco village in Vada. Yes, the Govardhan village. 
please tell us about it. <laughs> um, the idea of education, the, the root of that word, educari, which I believe is Latin, it doesn't mean to accumulate data and put it in your brain. Actual educari, the meaning of education in its original form, is to bring out what is already within us. Yes. And that, that's so very, very important. And the idea of yoga is to harmonize the body, with the mind, with the heart, with the soul, to harmonize our very self with other living beings and with nature. And interestingly, the word religion comes from religio, which means to reconnect with what is within us, to reconnect. Um, so yoga, religion, they're actually coming from the same source to connect with our true self and live in harmony with the values that are inherent within us. Um, the Bhagavad Gita tells, and, and Govardhan Eco Village is really based on this one verse of Bhagavad Gita. May I cite oh. it? It's Bhoktaram Yadyatapasam Sarva Loka Meheshwaram Suradam Sarva Bhutanam Gyatvamam Shanti Mechjati. And essentially what this verse is saying is that the Supreme Being is the proprietor of everything that exists. That means nature is sacred property. Nothing really is ours. We, ownership really means control. And essentially, we don't really have control over anything. You know, our wealth, if, if, if the economy changes, we could lose our wealth and it could be beyond our control. And ultimately, we grow old and we die and we can't take anything with us. So, you know, essentially everything, nothing is really our property. Everything is sacred, divine property. Um, God is like the sun planet, and all of nature and everything is like the energy of the sunshine, and to respect that. And Suradam Sarva Bhutanam, similarly, every living being is a child of the one supreme source. We're all factually brothers and sisters, and the, the Bible tells that the first and great commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. But to love your neighbor as yourself means we, unless we know ourself, we can't know how to love our neighbor. <laughs> That's we, have, so true. we actually have to learn how to love ourselves, not with arrogance, not with selfishness, but to love oneself because love is not selfish. Love is not arrogant. 
with the more we know ourselves, the more humble we become and the more courageous we become and the more motivated we are to actually do wonderful things in this world. Um, whatever our particular role is. That the real success of whatever we do and whatever role in society we may be is how we water the root of the tree, how we please God. And that pleasure comes through this principle by understanding everything is sacred property entrusted in our care and all living beings are God's sacred children who are to be respected and protected accordingly. So Govardhan Eco Village is a place where um, we have many ecological projects, um, water harvesting, because there's so much um, suicide and poverty due to drought. But if, if the, the science, the technology, which is very natural of, of harvesting water can provide enough for our crops and for our family throughout the year. And mm -hmm. um, we have a, a wonderful machine that our, our people created, which transforms plastic into usable oil without even the slightest trace of pollution in the atmosphere. And we have organic farming and um, many different projects like this. We have an animal sanctuary, a bird sanctuary, and we're trying to also create better and better a human sanctuary. And whatever skills we're learning and developing, we're going to the villages and teaching them. But along with teaching in this, we're trying to inculcate the very principle behind it, that to respect nature, to live in harmony with nature, to respect the sanctity of life in all of its forms. And we find, you know, thousands, tens and thousands of, of, of farmers in the villages, they're economically, um, it, within their domestic relationships of family, as well as spiritually, there's, there's so much prosperity just because they're given the tools that are required, both in the values and the skills. And we find that through this, universities and colleges from all over India and actually all over the world are coming to to, to participate and do conferences and the United Nations have taken interest. So a little effort, we're, we're, we're doing small, but we're trying to do the best we can, can actually affect the world. And, and that's our hope. We have a school for yoga. We have a school for Ayurveda. We have a school for environmentalism. We have the school for animal compassion. And we have a school for um, trying to live in harmony with each other. And that's yes. our, and we invite everyone, please come and visit us and bless us. <laughs> Actually, I've had the pleasure of visiting Govardhan Eco Village. It is really beautiful. It was then still developing. And I feel so pleased because 
our little farm is just a few kilometers away in Wada region uh, farm. It's close by. So whenever we need seeds or we need guidance, because I'm also very concerned and, you know, telling my people, don't get a single chemical on the farm. Use natural methods. Use, uh, you know, natural ways of pesticide making. And so whenever they need guidance, I'm like, please ask Govardhan village to help you. You know, they will be able to guide us. They will be able to help us. So yes, we're very glad that you're there. That the, the <laughs> eco village is right there for us to reach out to. And they're very helpful. And it's, see, Swamiji, how it has all come around. Until about 50, 60 years ago, India was doing traditional farming like you are doing now. But the Western industrialization all came into play and they laughed at Indians and said, what are you doing with bullock carts and natural plows? And what is all this uh, cow urine and all this cow dung that you're using? And we went into chemicalization. Today we have polluted everything and now we're going back to organic farming. We call it organic farming today, but it was being done traditionally in India all along. And uh, Swamiji, just today I received a message from uh, one of the girls who works with me, Nilima. She sent me a message. Uh, it's from Italy, uh, a little snippet from Daily Mail. They say they now find traces of plastic in apples, pears, broccoli, lettuce, turnips, parsnips, turnips, things like that. This is what we've come to. Now, the plastics, all this industrialization, our, you know, our modern living lifestyle, plastics is broken 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 it is not going away for like a thousand years so it's broken 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 it becomes microplastics tiny tiny which you cannot even see it's part of the soil it's gone into the water and it's being sucked into the plants so this is where we've landed ourselves by not following tradition by saying, no, we are smarter than that and we have technology and let's use it and let's twist and turn nature for our convenience, for our greed. So I, it was a shocking piece of news to read. You know, one knew mm. that plastic pollution has reached uh, levels, unthinkable levels. But now it is in your food that you are eating, your plants, your vegetables, your fruits. And it's extremely sad. What we are, like you said, what are we leaving? What are we doing for our children? Where are we going? And, and when we build a house, whether it be a, a simple little hut or whether it be a beautiful mansion or skyscraper. It's very important that we have a strong foundation. And what you're saying, Juhi, is, is so crucial for the world to hear. 
that oftentimes what goes in the name of progress is how we build the house, what type of luxurious um, furnitures, what type of architecture, but we cannot neglect the foundation. It's wonderful to build a great house, but we need to be attentive toward the foundation because otherwise it's not sustainable. When a storm comes and storms will come, it will collapse. So similarly, when we're building our, our economy, when we're building you know, our, our, our industries, whatever science, education, whatever fields we're developing, we have to be very much aware that we have a good foundation. And that foundation is the values, the character, and the spiritual um, understandings that we have of how actually everything and everyone in this universe is connected. It's not a belief. We are all connected. And if, if we don't respect each other, then we, we exploit. We, we, we live with, with negligence of what we're doing to the future. And th this is just you know, so crucial for, for the world is to, to understand this principle. Um, I, I love to use a simple analogy that this body we have, the human body, it's composed of so many various organs and limbs, and each one has a particular function, a particular color, a particular shape. There's the lungs, and the lungs cannot do what the heart does, and the heart cannot do what the kidneys do, and the kidneys cannot do what the brain does, and the brain cannot do what the little toe does. And, yes. And the nature of a healthy body is every part of the body, we're not competing with, an, with one another. The brain is not thinking, I am better than the pancreas. <laughs> every, every part of the body is working, serving to nourish every other part of the body. And if you, if, if you injure your littlest toe, every single limb and organ of your body is sending positive blood to heal the little toe. So, you know, different people have different social statuses, people to have different roles of society, different natures, different colors of skin, different nationalities. Um, you know, some are monks and some are billionaires. Everybody is, is, is unique. But what makes us healthy individually is to the extent we have a healthy social body where we are all there for each other. We live in harmony with each other. And, uh, and when we pollute the environment, the air or the water or, or the ground, we're actually causing harm to all living beings. Yes. So, so humanity is in, 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 its, in its true and, and, and holistic, realistic way is inseparable from, from living in harmony and respect for our environment 
and and for, and for all beings and that's that's an education that's so much required Swamiji, do you i heard sadguruji say this that the slowdown may have become a, a bit of a blessing in disguise whereas he said if we continued the way we were the economy running the way it was we would have been doomed in 20 30 40 years but this this depression this this slowdown has actually you know given us time to relook at what we've done as in you know otherwise because everything was running the industries were running and people are running and nobody has time to think about what they're doing to themselves to their businesses to the earth everybody was just on the move but the slowdown has actually put a pause button and look at it swamiji for once the air outside is the clearest it has been in many many years the seas cleared up, the water became blue, the birds are chirping in the trees. But on the other hand, there is fear of death and anxiety amongst all the people. You, you had said this once that, you know, you, you said this at the Google talk that to to, to clear the ecological pollution, you need to clear first the ecological pollution in your heart or something, something of that kind where you said it's you need to clear your heart first and then only will this clear up. But today we are seeing a situation where everything around us, we've been locked up. Everything around us is actually cleared up. But man is filled with fear and anxiety right now anxious because of the virus because of death or is it just ignorance what is this this strange um, we will all benefit so much individually, collectively. If we open our minds and our hearts to see opportunities, to see opportunities in sunny, pleasant days and in very stormy days. Um, this situation that we're facing um, it could be a curse or it could be a blessing according to what we're seeking within it. Surely, um, when we see people suffering, when we see people you know, dying, living in depression, um, when we see you know, people who are suffering economical crunches, health crunches, um, 
we, we feel we should feel sad and compassionate for those people. But at the same time, um, you know, what is it we could learn to grow in this situation? Um, you explained that right now, by a force of beyond ourselves, we've had to push the pause button. Um, now the question is what we do next. Are we just going to release the pause button and let things go just the way they were? A reckless way of exploitation, pollution, and a, a lack of, of, of respect for, for, for human and natural dignity? Or after we press the pause button, are we going to press the reset button? Where we, where we actually understand, we've taken a step back. We, you know, we've, we've come, just like if you're in a fast um, flowing river, you're being washed away so much, it's, it's hard to see anything around you because you're just trying to survive. But if you come on the bank of the river and you see it from that perspective, you could actually see the whole situation of the river. So similarly, sometimes life, we're just so much in the stresses and the passions of, of just going through the routines we've, we've, we've been in, we don't really look around to see, you know, what is the meaning and purpose of my life and, and, and what's happening to the world and, and, and what is it I really want in life and what is it I want to give to the, my children in the world. Um, but this is an opportunity to step back and to actually see. And sometimes we become discouraged because who am I? You know, the whole, there's so many billions of people in the world and everything is going in such a direction. Who am I to make a difference? But actually each and every one of us can make a historical difference by just living with integrity and compassion living in harmony with God's grace the best we can. There's the beautiful story of Hanuman who was lifting huge mountains to build a bridge um, across the ocean. And there was a little squirrel who was just, you know, little pebbles he was pushing on. And Lord, Lord Ram, Lord Rama, he told Hanuman that that squirrel is doing exactly as much as you are because that squirrel is doing the best she can, and you're doing the best you can. And the, the greatness of one's legacy is the sincerity and the integrity of our efforts, not just, not the quantity. And what pleases God and what ultimately changes the world is that we're all just trying our best. Nothing is insignificant if it is done with sincerity and devotion um, and compassion. Um, it, it's actually the greatest thing. You were speaking about your Gurukul and, and Mahatma Gandhi's birthplace. Um, the Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. And that's where real fulfillment and meaning comes when we're trying to be the change. We're sincere. 
we're trying to take guidance from people who inspire us. We're, you know, satsang, we're, we're taking guidance from, from holy people, from enlightened people, from like-minded people to make a change in the world. We have a sadhana, we have a time when we're putting some quality energy to reconnect with God and ourself within our heart through our spiritual practice. And then we live with this type of character, with this type of integrity. Seva. Seva means the joy that we find from, from being the change we want to see in the world through, through service. And Pur Bandar is also the place of Sudama Vipra. And that, that story is the same message. Sudama was a completely poverty-stricted Brahmin, but he knew Krishna when he was young at school, at a Gurukula in Ujjain, actually. And oh. Sudama was living in a little hut in Poor Bandor, and, and, he, and his good wife, she inspired him, go see Krishna. And, and mm. he went, and all he had to offer Krishna was some some dry chipped rice, poha. Today we buy poha, but we buy it from grocery stores where it's finely processed and everything. But in those days, Sudama just went, he and his good wife, they they went begging. And usually people don't give beggars the best thing. They give usually the thing that means the least to them. So he begged for some of this chipped rice. And Krishna just ate one grain of that chipped rice and he was so totally satisfied that when Sudama went home, he had a magnificent palatial home that just manifested. But the most beautiful part of this story, you know, from your place is that Sudama and family they had the same spirit of devotion and sharing and compassion when they were living in a little hut in poverty and when they were living in a magnificent palatial building greater than Indra. It doesn't matter whether we're fabulously wealthy or whether we're living in a little hut. What matters is the sincerity of our intent to be the change we want to see in the world. That, that's what makes life meaningful. That's what makes life great. And when we, when we all respect and honor what each other can do without being envious or, or, or arrogant, then we actually find the real joy, the real peace and the real love, which is within us. That is so beautiful. I hope I will carry those words in my heart and work upon them, absorb them. We have just my last question, because there's a lot of people over there in their homes who are anxious at this time, probably live in some kind of fear, maybe the elderly who feel, you know, unsure of what the next day brings for them. People, like you said, who've, who are economically now in hard times. Any words of, any, any, any messages or any words of calm that you would like to say to them? 
when Draupadi was in a most distressful and hopeless condition, she took shelter of Krishna. She took shelter of God. And, you know, whatever situation we're in, our supreme lover, our supreme beloved, our eternal friend, we call Krishna, Rama, God, is within our hearts. And to be aware of that, that I'm, I'm an eternal soul within this body. And, and whenever, whenever I take shelter of the Supreme Beloved, that's where I find the greatest shelter. And that's where I can inspire others with the greatest shelter. And that's where real peace and that's where real happiness is. And that's beyond all the changes of this world and beyond death itself. And that's the opportunity that all of us have. That's, that's dharma. And that's the potential that, that is so beautiful. And oftentimes we get so distracted, we forget our potential. I remember my beloved teacher, Srila Prabhupada, when he went to England, he was challenged by some journalists. Why have you come to this country? We have our own religion. We have our own everything. Why have you come? Mm -hmm. And Srila Prabhupada smiled and said, actually, the British ruled over India for approximately two centuries. And so much of the wealth and treasures of India you brought to London, but you forgot the most valuable treasure of India. The most valuable treasure of India is the spiritual culture and values. So I have come to give freely to London what you forgot to take. So when we're locked down at home and, we, and, and there's so much you know, stress and uncertainty, it's an opportunity to in every way try our very best to make things work well, but to take shelter of, of the wisdom, to take shelter through meditation and prayer and especially chanting God's names, and to take shelter of, of, of people who inspire us, you know, that, that can transform our lives. And then when this um, pandemic or whatever other calamity may pass, we have something we've never had before. We've discovered the treasure that is forever our most sacred and valuable property. Our potential to love, to care, and to be instruments of God's compassion. Thank you so much, Swamiji. Your words make me once again realize what a guru does for us. Takes us from darkness to light. From the darkness of ignorance, fear, anxiety, anger. Shows us the right path, illumines our life. And you have done that once again today for me and for all who are listening to you today.
I cannot thank you enough. I had heard something very, very sweet. It said, Vasant aati hai, to prakriti khil uthti hai. Vasant aati hai, prakriti khilti hai. Jab sant aate hai, sanskriti khilti hai. So thank you for the culture, the wisdom that you impart and give all of us. One hour, one hour and a half is not enough. I wish we could talk more and even a lifetime of listening to gurus is not enough. Just trying to understand what they say and trying to absorb what they have said to you and trying to make it a part of your life. But we are going to try and so grateful to you for having given us this time. And we hope to have this opportunity again. But thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you, Druhi. I'm just a little messenger who's trying to share the wonderful gifts that that my guru was my my gurus have given to me. And thank you for being such an inspiration and such an example for all of us. And I'm a little Swami who really doesn't have anything except the enthusiasm to serve others. And you are such an accomplished person in your profession, in your career, and so loved and well-known by others. And, you know, together, if we just share the same um, enthusiasm, the passion for compassion, um, we could all, you know, through our appreciation of one another and sharing with each other, we could all do something beautiful for the world. Thank you, Swamiji. Anytime you feel I can help you in anything, I will be more than happy to be there. Please just tell me. And otherwise, for all the wisdom that you have given us today, I'm eternally grateful. So, namaste. 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 Hare Krishna, and thank you so very, very much.